Thank you. You may be seated. What a joy to be with you today. This is incredible and uh, takes me back a lot of years. In fact, I, I go back 35 years to when I first came here. In fact, you said something, and my wife kind of alluded to this this morning. It wasn't part of my plan, but I'm going to slip to the keyboard if that's all right for a moment. And one of the most important things that, that we need to do today is encounter Jesus. It isn't what I've got to say, it's what he's got to say. And you just need to open your heart and say, Lord, come and speak to me and have your way. Man, would you just lift an old little chorus that says, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice, and I lift my voice. We're going to worship you. Oh, to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, take joy, my King, what you hear. desire to do personally corporately Lord and what you desire and have planned for this place may each one even including me be a part of what you're doing amen 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 uh, he's kind of given an introduction many of you may know me I I do serve in our uh, network as a secretary treasurer it's the worst title I've ever had but I enjoy serving our ministers. We have uh, 866 ministers across Michigan, uh, just about 250 churches. I'm over the credentialing part, and then, of course, financially trying to help uh, as we process and move through and believe in God to take care of the needs. But you know what? He's the provider. Amen? Amen. Well, today is a day of celebration. Yes, it is. It's a celebration of what God has done. It's a celebration of what God is doing. And it's a celebration of what God will yet do. Amen? When God called this church into existence, it was a call to engage in partnership. Partnership with God, first and foremost. Amen? And so that this could be a body of believers that would be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So that this church could make a difference in this community as well as the world. Some 90 years ago, God called a group of believers to bring hope of the gospel to this community. 
and also the life of the Spirit to the people who were living then as well as those who would be living now in the communities of Kalamazoo and Portage. Today, Kalamazoo First is made up of some wonderful people, those who have been here for maybe even less than a year to those who have been here for many years. And just know this, it doesn't matter when you came to this body of believers or what age you are or what nationality you are. What matters is how you connected and have begun to fulfill your purpose and your call in this place. I want you to know everyone here has an important part to play in what God wants to do in the days ahead. And I, along with Pastor Dave, long to see every one of you fulfill your call and your purpose that God has put before you. Today, we celebrate the life and the longevity of this church. And we can't do so, though, without remembering God's goodness. We sang about it this morning. In fact, uh, we read uh, in Psalms, and I'm going to take you to Psalms for a moment because Psalm 34, 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Again, in Psalm 126, 3, the psalmist says, The Lord has done great things for us and we are what? glad. And then again, David declares in Psalm 68, 3, but let the godly rejoice. Let them be glad in God's presence and let them be filled with joy. And today, we are in God's presence. And because of his grace, because of his mercy that's been poured out for 90 years throughout this church, we have every reason to be filled with joy, every reason to rejoice. So I want you to rejoice and give God some praise in this place. Let's do it. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We honor you for what you've done. You have been good. Amen. Church, you ought to get excited about what God has done and what he's going to do. Amen? Some 35 years ago, when I came to this church, I came as a worship pastor, and Pastor Dalaba, Oliver Dalaba, along with this congregation, gave this 23-year-old boy his start in full-time ministry. The story kind of starts this way. I I arrived and I was here meeting different ones and, and I was trying out uh, that particular Sunday. And at the last moment, I needed to get some music for one of the pianists or organists. We had an organist that day. And uh, so I, I, was, I was in the workroom and, and I had the cutter there and I had to cut the piece of paper and I, I slipped my thumb right across there. This is 10 minutes before service. Now, you have to know me and blood don't get along real well. And so I just went, I was out. The next thing I know, I'm waking up. I'm in pastor's office. I'm coming to, and now it's just two minutes before service. And, and I'm, I'm kind of woozy. Well, I came onto the platform that morning. Now, the platform back in that day was back here. So I was probably around here. We had those king thrones up here. Does anybody remember those? Well, I, I stood up, Pastor Dalaba opened the service, and I'm standing there, and he began to pray. So I did what you're supposed to do, close your eyes and pray. And I felt my body. 
start moving. I'm like, I cannot keep my eyes closed. But it, it was a wild moment. But then it was a wonderful, wonderful day we had. I didn't pass out again, so I'm grateful for that. Um, also, God graced me, though, with two different seasons to serve this church. Uh, and one season was as worship pastor. And then a second season, I came back after I was in Canada for about five years. And I became the senior associate under my brother, Philip McElhaney. And uh, I had, I'm just grateful for the privilege that God afforded me to serve here. Pastor Dave, I am honored today to have the invitation to speak, especially on this special occasion. This is incredible. Could I tell you anniversaries are a time of remembrance, remembrance of where things started, but also looking to where God is leading. How many of us celebrate a birthday and think that's the end? No, it's only to look forward. We celebrate anniversaries in the same way for weddings because we are looking forward to completing what we began. Church, in order for us to become what God wants us to become, we need to remember God's heart for the lost people of this world. It's his plan to work through his church to fulfill that purpose. That's why over 90 years ago, six people had a vision for a work to begin in this city. And it was Pastor Asa Miller, who you will hear again, who answered that call first to come and pastor here. Today, as we take a moment and look back, we can not only see God's faithfulness, but we also, with expectation, need to know that the best is yet to come. Church, you ought to be proud. You ought to be delighted and rejoice in the Lord of all the outreach ministries that have happened, all the worship services, the mission heart of the church, the love that's grown and poured out of this church to touch this city and the world. I'm grateful for it. And even through all the ups and downs, I mean, you know there's been ups and downs through the church. The church has great reason to celebrate because through it all, we have seen the faithfulness of God. Again, anniversaries remind us we not only had a beginning, but that we have a purpose. And that purpose always extends beyond the celebration of the day itself. You've got a month of celebration, but it's way beyond a month that God is looking at. And today we celebrate that God had a purpose for building a body of Christ in this location. And the amazing thing to me is this. God has invited each and every one of you to be a part of that process both as an individual, but as a congregation. For you see, without individuals, there is no congregation. Paul the Apostle writes it this way in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. He says, all of you together are Christ's body. And what? Each of you is a part of it. There's an all and there is an each. And the church is each of you working together to fulfill your part. This morning, I'm going to take you back to a portion here to start in the Old Testament. I think it can illuminate and maybe support the point that I really want to share with you today. And that point is simply this. God has a call on and a purpose for each of you. Say that with me. God has a call 
called and a purpose for each of you. In the Old Testament, remember the story of Moses. Moses has an encounter with God, if you remember that. And he, God is calling Moses for a purpose. Moses, of course, feels inadequate, if you remember going through the story. In Exodus 4, though, in verse 1, we read this as he talks to God. In Exodus 4, verse 1, but Moses protested again. He already protested once, now again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? And at this point, God proceeds to walk Moses through a series of things that he'll be able to do to prove that God is with him. The, the shepherd's rod turning into a snake, if you remember that, the, the hand withering and being restored, water from the Nile that he'll pour out to blood. And after all of this, Moses is still, he makes that statement about, I get all tongue-tied and, and, and words get all tangled up. I, I'm not really good at speaking. And so we read on in verse 13, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Have any of you ever felt that way? Now, God's call on Moses did not change. His call was his call. But God also had chose Aaron, Moses' brother, to help him. And in their endeavor together, they were able to set God's people free. I want to remind you today, again, God is calling each of you, and he has a purpose in mind. You are a necessary part of the body of Christ. You are essential to what God wants to do here. You are part of the future of what God is doing. But I know some of you might say, well, I don't feel adequate. Well, you need to know this. There are no unused parts in the body of Christ. There are no unused parts in the body of Christ. And everyone needs to be involved, and I believe to that everybody ought to say amen. Did everybody say amen, Pastor? Heavenly Father, today we praise your name. You are worthy. Today we give you thanks. We give thanks for Kalamazoo First. And on this 90th anniversary, we pause for a moment to remember and see where the church has been but it's also to rededicate ourselves to your work, to your purpose yet to be accomplished, all for your glory. Lord, today, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, help us actively listen to the Holy Spirit and to your word. Help us to remain focused today on the high calling of Jesus. And Lord, we ask this in your name, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. <clears throat> if you have a hard copy or electronic copy, you can turn of your Bible, you can turn to Acts 9 today. In this passage, we find the story of Saul's conversion. How many remember Saul who becomes Paul? It's the conversion of his life. I'm sure many of you know the story, but I want to rehearse it again in our hearing. In Acts 9, verse 1, we read this. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. 
So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him, down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now at this moment, Saul's sight is taken away. He's blinded. And he has to get help from those who were with him to get to the city. Now he's in the city, he's blind, and the Bible tells us for three days he's blind, and he's, we're about to find out he's praying to the Lord. You have to understand, this is a very unique story. It's kind of outside of the box to have someone like Saul, the villain in the story, right, to become the hero of the faith. But you also need to understand, this is a story that God desires to do in every life. The next part of this story, down in verse 10, we're introduced to another person named Ananias. Verse 10. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. Ananias is this person who was devoted to God. He seemed to have a great reputation in Damascus for serving the Lord, doing so earnestly. And Ananias also knew about the persecution that was happening back in Jerusalem. He knew that men and women were being thrown in jail for their faith, and some were being killed, like Stephen, who was stoned to death. And the mastermind behind all this persecution seemed to be a man named Saul. He wanted to annihilate anyone who was following the way. You see, Saul had gotten this search warrant, and he was there to arrest Christians who were living in Damascus, drag them back to Jerusalem to face a trial. Could I ask you this morning, just think about this. If you knew a man was going to show up at church today and arrest you, because you're committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, I wonder, would you have changed your choice about coming to church today? This is what that church is having to deal with. Here's the thing. When a challenge is presented to us as believers, it does not matter what the outcome is. The issue is this. Are you going to trust Jesus in the middle of the circumstance? All of us as believers are going to face tough times. Even the book that uh, Pastor Dave has put together to talk about what he's walked through is because of God's faithfulness that he is who he is today through the struggle of it all. The church, you need to know, body is going to walk through difficult days. That's why as a body of believers, we prepare ourselves to know God's word and know where we stand with God. Ananias is about to have to make this decision. 
In the scripture we just read, it said the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Ananias replies, yes, Lord, with an exclamation. It seems to be with great eagerness. But we're about to continue the story. I wonder if you were called by name, would you be ready to say yes to the Lord? Or would you say, Lord, I, I need just a minute. Church, we need to be ready when the Lord speaks. I know way too many people that when the Spirit of the Lord speaks, they tend to send the message to voicemail. Thinking, Lord, I'll get back with you at my earliest convenience. I want you to know God is calling today. God has a purpose for you today. And for some of you in the room, if you were honest with yourself, you might actually admit that the path you're taking today is really not leading you where God wants you to go. And that's why I'm here to remind you that Jesus Christ entered this world. He, he gave his life for you because God has a much better plan for you than you do for yourself. I can imagine Ananias, of course, thrilled to have the vision. Maybe he's thinking, God's calling me, and he's going to even tell me where I can hide so I can live another day to proclaim his name. Church, we proclaim his name no matter what. In Ananias' excitement, he actually, though, hears some, instru some instructions that he doesn't care to hear. Are you open to the possibility of God telling you a task that you might not want to hear? Here's the assignment God gives Ananias. In verse 11, the Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Now, Ananias, and you're going to hear it in Scripture in a moment, is probably thinking, wait a minute, Lord. You mean Saul, the persecutor who's come here to arrest us? And by the way, you told me he was blind, so Lord, if he's blind, wouldn't that actually help us? Why on earth, God, do you want to change that? i tell you what I'll do, God. I'll, I'll just tell all the believers, don't go to Straight Street. In fact, we find out that Ananias proceeds to enlighten God on why God's plan doesn't seem to be good. He's going to educate God, apparently, about some information he's unaware of. And, we, and here it is, Acts 9, 13. He says, but Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he's authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. And I believe Ananias somehow expected to change God's mind with this new information for him. Ananias, understand, would have been quite content to leave Paul or Saul in his blindness. And I wonder if that's the same problem with the church today. As believers, we're far too content and even tempted to leave the enemies of the cross in their blindness. Church, when we look at others, we never know what purpose God has in mind for them. 
As believers, you never know what purpose God has in mind for you when a stranger invades your bubble. Oh, you mess up my comfort zone. But that's why it's so important to fulfill pastor's vision for this church. I read it in your letter on your webpage. It's to see K-First as a vibrant, life-giving community that makes it simple for people to find and follow Jesus. Let me remind you of the values of this church. As they're listed, everyone is significant. Amen. When they walk into this place, they are significant. If they're not walking in this place, they are significant. We are contributors. God works in community. We look to celebrate. Growth requires change. How many are excited about that? And we live intentionally. And that one with the sub-statement says, we intentionally focus our time, money, and energy to make it simple to find and follow Jesus. Church, it's all about our surrender to be a part of God's plan to seek and to save the lost. Church, God had a purpose even for a madman named Saul. Yeah, he was wrongly imprisoning and hoping to execute followers of Jesus, but Saul was a living soul that God was at work in. In Acts 9, 15, we get to read the response of God to Ananias. But the Lord said, go. Pretty simple. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Church, what do you do when you got clear instructions from the Lord? Do you change your schedule and become obedient? Do you respond like Moses in the Old Testament with excuses and, and hoping that you can send somebody else? Or Will you respond like maybe Ananias in the beginning, questioning, God, do you really know all the facts? The beauty of both of the stories, the story of Moses and the story of Ananias, is that ultimately they did do what God asked them to do. Why? Because they were called, and God had a purpose. And they were used in a powerful way. Church, we discover our purpose when we expect God to use us. That's important. We have to stand ready for the call. God is always looking for someone who is willing to say, here I am, use me. He's looking for a church body who's saying, here we are, use us. Sadly, we get caught up in doing a lot of good things that we sometimes miss out on the important things because we're too busy. Our key purpose in our life is first to grow closer to the Lord and then provide opportunities for others to know Him and to surrender their lives to the Lord. I'm glad Ananias was willing to drop his schedule to do what God was calling him to do. He trusted God enough, think about this, he trusted God enough to believe that God had a better plan for his life and for the life of the church. Just one announcement from God allowed Ananias, think about this, to let go of all the bitterness 
and all the resentment that was in him, all the stuff that he had felt about Saul, how he had devastated the church. The announcement simply was, Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as the people of Israel. I had a thought, I just wonder if Ananias would have gone to some other believers and said, this is what I'm going to do. I wonder if they would have tried to persuade him not to do it. I wonder how many people write people off because you don't understand what God is doing in the life of someone. But Ananias let go of his own feelings to do what God told him to do. Here's what happened in verse 17. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. Now, nobody could have foreseen this that this is one of the greatest things that could come out of this situation. That a persecutor of the church, a man named Saul, would be born again and become one of the greatest apostles of the church. Nobody but God could have known that. And that's why God speaks to what we don't know. And God used Saul, who becomes Paul, to write, most of the New Testament that we have, and probably built more churches than all the other 12 apostles put together. God had a purpose for bringing Ananias and Saul together. Church, purpose is revealed when we are in the right place with the right people. In Scripture, we're told that Saul immediately began preaching in the synagogues. Jesus Jesus, he is the Son of God. In fact, he preached so persuasively that the Jews decided, we're going to kill Saul. And so Saul has to sneak out of the city in a basket, lowered over the city walls, because they were at the gates waiting to kill the one who become a follower of Jesus. Ananias, think about it, had no idea his act of obedience will lead to the ministry of Paul. You need to know your role of obedience in the body of Christ may have a much larger impact than you can ever imagine. I don't know why you came to church today. Maybe it was just for the celebration. Maybe you heard I was going to be here. That's a wrong reason, but Maybe you came because you wanted to hear the voice of the Spirit speaking to you. Maybe you walked in as a Saul today. You're a non-believer and you're wondering what's this faith all about. Maybe you're like Ananias. You are a believer, but you're questioning why God works the way he works. However you came in today, 
I want you to know two things. Number one, God loves you. And secondly, God has a purpose for you. I want to go ahead and invite the worship team to come back. God established this church 90 years ago. But it was for you to be in this place at this time to be a part of God's purpose for the days ahead. If you are like Saul today, I'm asking, would you open your heart to faith? Jesus died for you so you could be saved from an eternal separation from him. And not only that, God has a purpose to work in your life. Psalm 139 verse 16 reminds us that God says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God has a book about your life because he has a purpose for your life. The problem is we want to rewrite our own story. And we need to give up that story and find the book that he's written about us. And it's called Keeping a Step with the Spirit. It's allowing the Spirit of God to begin to lead your life and guide your life. There is a God story to be fulfilled through your life. But it starts with your faith in Jesus as your Savior. And then He wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit like Paul was filled. And could I tell you, your life's journey will never be the same. Oh, I wish I could tell you it will be without any persecution, but it won't be. In fact, in these last days that we're living, I'm telling you, I think it's going to get worse. But we've got to know who we are in Jesus. And we've got to be bold. We haven't even begun to face what this church faced in the early days. Church is coming again. God has given America a reprieve for the people to get saved. And we have wonderful days, but I'm telling you, wake up. Make your decision strong and be faithful. God kept this church around for 90 years to give you that news today. If the Lord tarries another 90, will you be called the faithful who carried it for 90 more years? For those who are believers in this place, understand God wants to use your gifts. God wants to use your abilities, your life. There are still lost people in this city and in the surrounding areas. And some of those people are in your workplace. Some of them are in your neighborhoods. And some of them may even be in your family. And God wants to use you in his time, in his way, to see their lives change because God would love to see everyone come to repentance. Would you just keep listening for his voice? Someone might just need an Ananias in their life. God has a tailor-made ministry for you individually, but he has a tailor-made ministry for this church as you do his work together. And you need to realize this, no one else can do what you can do. No one else has your circle of friends, 
or your abilities or your position. And as this church enters its 91st year, you need to remember that God has sent you out. God has commissioned you to do something significant for Him. God has equipped you to reach a group of people no other church will be able to reach. So be faithful to your call and your purpose. I am who I am today, partly because of this church. This church allowed me to start my call and develop my gifts. It's a part of the story that God designed for me. Would you continue to let others fulfill their call and see others develop in their gifts? For everyone here has a special God story. This morning, as I close, I just don't want to leave anybody out of the God story, but it starts with putting your faith in Jesus. Maybe you walked in and you're a little afraid to say, well, I really am lost. I don't know what to do. Listen, that is the greatest place to start. Probably you'll be the greatest evangelist because sometimes we get comfortable in just our worship instead of our proclamation. If you're in this place today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you need Him today. He will change your life the best that it is. He'll turn it around, and it will be good. If that's you in this place today, I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads for just a moment. If that's you in this place today and you've not accepted Jesus ever as your Savior, maybe you need to rededicate your life to Him today because you find yourself going down a wrong path. Or maybe you just played church and you, you've never really made that commitment to be a part of the body of what God wants to do. Why don't you do that today and say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and you put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but I just don't want to miss that opportunity for anyone in the room today. Just glancing around, is there anyone? I'm not seeing any hands. Would you just look at me for a moment? Church, I don't know if they were afraid or that everybody in here is a believer. If you just realize what impact you could have, dream again. Your pastor in a few weeks is going to lay out a vision. And I believe as pastors we receive vision and direction from the Lord that we're to pour out to the congregation. I'm asking you, get on board. You don't have to redream it. You just need to hear the voice of the Spirit saying, let's go. Let's just do what God has called us to do. And let the Spirit of God do what he has planned to do. He'll meet the one on the street and prep their heart. He'll do what he needs to do for your work to be done. Maybe you need to be that Ananias again. Maybe you're questioning, but you know what? I'll do it. And the Bible says he went. He laid his hands on him. He did exactly what the Lord called him to do and nothing more. All you got to do is do what the Lord's asking you. I'm asking you, rededicate, recommit yourself to the Lord's work. 
God has put you in the right place with the right people, and He has the right plan, and God wants you to be a part of it. Thank God for 90 years in the past. But that was only to celebrate because we're going to complete the work that God started and be a part of it. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you for this congregation. Thank you for my years of being a part of this and being a part of what you've been doing all this time. Lord, thank you for sending Pastor Dave and his wife and the team that's here. Lord, encourage them and strengthen them and speak to their hearts and give them the faith again. Lord, not just to complete 14 years, but Lord, to complete what you've called them to do. In Jesus' name, bless this church, this body of believers, I pray, for your glory. Amen. Yesterday.